0: Do you think it's based on leadership? So, you know, President Donald Trump obviously has COVID or had COVID. I don't know what the situation is. You always see him during interviews not wearing masks, right? And eventually, I I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of discussion between uh, people saying that maybe he actually doesn't have COVID. He just doesn't want to participate in the debate because he had bad ratings during the debate. There's a lot of rumors in, in in that segment. But do you believe that it's based on Leadership showing that example. And that's why pe- some people just really don't care. You are now tuning in to Kick Spot with Jido Park and me. And we're back here at the Kick Spot season two. Season two. We're excited. Man, this is our. I think this is Jordan episode Jordan episode 23. 23 23 for us so, it's awesome it's pretty so, exciting and uh, as you guys can see we have a new location boom a more relaxed setting because our whole purpose is that we, we want to get to understand people's perspectives but that's also right. to be able to kick back at the spot that's why we called and this is the spot
1: <laughs> king spot obviously
0: so if uh, also if, if you can see visually we have a few guests with yes. us um, integrate technology Yes, Hello. And, and we've never had, uh, you know, somebody from the science background. Um, I know, this is dope. Because I, I actually didn't do very well in science. Neither did I. So th- this will be very, very interesting yeah. for both of us. Yeah. And we're probably going to ask a lot of different questions. Um, and then we also have, uh, and that's that's with Ryan. And then we also have Nak here, who's going to simplify things for us as well, yes. too. Um, because some of the terminology, that's the reason why I, f- I failed science. Some of the terminology wasn't very... Um, you know, common in nature uh, when I speak. So
1: yeah, and so Ryan is a researcher. Is that correct, Ryan? Yes. Perfect. And then Nock works in the. I, I forgot how you like described <laughs> like your line of work. So well, the
2: simplest one right now is that I am a soft therapist. And I'm also an instructor in
0: movement. In movement. There you go. That's I forgot. I was just, yeah. Perfect. So. Ryan, why don't you give us a little bit of your background um, just so we can kind of deeper question things, especially in today's world with COVID and everything happening. We'd like to get your background first so we can dive deep into that.
3: Yeah. Uh, so my background is in um, structural biology. Essentially, what do proteins look like and, and how do they kind of form and do their activities? Because, you know, they're the machines of, of all their cellular um uh, factories here. And uh, specifically, I looked at how influenza or the flu virus will disrupt all of that um, kind of machinery and essentially take over the, the cell. Um, so that was my PhD. So I did about seven years of that. And um, hopefully we'll be having that PhD paper be published in the next year or so. And uh, But currently I'm working in a cardiovascular lab at UC Davis where I look at heart disease. Uh, which is where COVID Kai comes into play because uh, we're looking at these connections between um, heart disease and COVID.
1: Perfect. Right. Yeah, with uh, with today's world, with you know, with COVID nineteen and how it's affected our daily lives, you know, we've been really wanted wanting to have an episode where we can give some sort of factual information to our viewers and our listeners and give this perspective where they can kind of make decisions for themselves and learn a little bit more how that's really affecting us and i'm guess and obviously that's what we're going to be giving to our audience today and we're excited about it and we can't wait about it so jp we have a lot of questions today
0: yeah so i i initially thought that covid um like when someone gets affected it's through the respiratory system mm-hmm. and you're saying that it also is correlated to to the heart as well
3: Well, so the respiratory system is the first place of infection, but you know, the, the virus itself spreads throughout the body. I mean, uh, how they actually know that some of these animals that have been infected, uh, if you've ever heard of the reports that, you know, someone's pet got infected Mm -hmm. was they've, uh, uh, they had to test the fecal matter of the, of the pets for, you know, the virus itself. So that's how they know that someone's been fully infected. Um, and and so the the virus affects everything throughout the body. Um, there's been reports of blood clotting um, to points where people have had amputations and you know all this other kind of crazy stuff.
0: And that's that's because of COVID, or they also have other underlying diseases.
3: Well, so this kind of gets into uh, the mechanisms of it, and and um, so. I'll have to give a brief interview, just uh, or a brief, you know, overstatement, just because uh, you know we could be talking about this for two hours, and that's kind of what uh, we'll eventually be doing. But um, uh, essentially, the worst one, one of the biggest problems isn't necessarily the virus itself, but it's your immune system's response to the virus, and this is true for influenza and other. Uh, respiratory viruses is that a lot of the damage actually comes because your immune system overreacts and this overreaction can you know cause scar tissue on the heart or lung failure or um, you know in, in certain instances blood clotting and stuff like that which is something that we normally don't expect but that's something unique with COVID so it's really the, um, the immune system's response to COVID that does most of the damage
1: So is that why some people are asymptomatic? Because there's just there's no impact on on their body when even if they get tested positive for COVID.
3: Yeah. So there there's a lot of different reasons, and this is actually one of the reasons that covid is so hard to to get rid of is because it is silent in a lot of people and it's silent for so many days it's the same reason that we're never going to get rid of hiv because hiv can lay dormant in someone for 10 years before they start start showing symptoms so um the 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 main reason i mean the the there's several theories of why people are asymptomatic and I kind of subscribe to, it's a mixture of all of them versus one. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the theories is that COVID itself is uniquely covered in sugars and your body cells are covered in sugars as, as a way to help signal. And so by this, it's, um, this covering of sugar means that it goes undetected by your immune system because it looks like a cell. And um, so it can go undetected for so long. And then if it does become, you know, detected, sometimes the virus is rampant and then your immune system just, you know, goes AWOL and and kind of starts attacking everything. It's, I like to refer to as that scene in aliens where, you know, they're, they're uh, the, you know, the uh, Marines are going in to, you know, kill all the alien nests and they don't know anything and then it starts coming out oh, of the walls cool. and they just start shooting everything, you know, yeah. when they shouldn't because there's a nuclear reactor above them or, you know, something like that. So that's the way I've been imagining this immune system response is they do not really detect it until it's overwhelmed.
0: You said that you're trying to receive a, a grant to study COVID or is it something related to that?
3: Yeah, it's something related to that. I can't really go into too many details, but um, it really refers to the um, the way that the virus enters a cell is through a protein called ACE two, and uh, so you might have heard that in the news. And it's actually very interesting because ACE two is expressed differently in so many different people. Um, It seems that Asian males actually have a higher expression of ACE2 than females, which is why that males uh, tend to be more susceptible to the virus. Also, there's this very interesting story of um, men on prostate cancer treatment are less susceptible because of the treatment that they're on actually suppresses some of these you know proteins and all that so it's really the the grant itself is looking at how these proteins that the virus uses to get into the cell are regulated differently within the heart
0: so go ahead. is that any different than what the cdc studies
3: no well i mean i uh, the, the exact, uh, details of what I'm applying for is different because we have this hypothesis that this, um, protein, uh, that kind of is a regulatory protein. Basically it goes, it's like someone going through a house and turning on and off off, you know, light switches. So basically this protein goes around and turns things on and off. And we have some evidence to show that this protein will, um, turn on and off ace two in a way that might be able to help with um viral infections but um there's you know probably over a thousand different studies on going on right now about just ace two so this is just one very 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 specific detail
1: so what so you're obviously looking at virus right but yeah how did you get into this field? Like, was this something that you've been wanting? Like, that you wanted to do? Is this like what you wanted to go to school for? Like, what piqued your interest in studying about viruses and proteins and things of that nature?
3: Well, so my my interest actually started coming from uh, snake venom, and Nock hates snakes, <laughs> uh, which is you, have you have know snakes? very very funny to friend. to us because we're just very different. my gosh. Yeah, uh, but yeah, snake venom is like extremely interesting, and and I remember in college, just very very early, I looked at evolution of snake venom and other venoms and stuff like that, and then that led into well, you know, uh, venoms cause disease or you know whatever. So um, and it's kind of just a protein folding problem, uh, where the proteins don't actually fold correctly. Uh, which means they can't make the correct machines um and so that led into genetic diseases and then i was always because i have you know genetic disease with my eyes so then i started getting very interested in just uh you know how what what makes a disease uh succeed over others and and then that led me to viruses so so this whole study of like well, how how can a disease survive in a population? Is, is this question I've been trying to answer for over a decade.
0: You know, so one of the things that Miggs is very passionate about is uh, investment in stocks recently. and um, Very passionate. Very, very passionate. And there's a particular stock that he likes, which is the sports uh, stocks. Um, I'm very against it right now because of the going? fact that... Yeah, well, I'm leading to it because of the fact that my I liked what the NBA did with the bubble. I think that they really contained everything, but as we're starting to see that NFL players are starting to get COVID, we're also seeing mm-hmm. that teams are starting to get COVID. MLB player. M- MLB teams Ronaldo. all have, have uh, yeah, and it's starting to, to come out even more. It, it seems like it, we had contained it at a certain extent, and all of a sudden, there's been a spike. I don't personally see anybody around me get COVID, but there's always a lot more announcements that are being made, and so that's why, especially I've in the learned... last seven to ten days. Yeah, and so like with the sports thing, like you know, the Pac-12 just, you know, I, I felt like they were kind of pressured to to open up uh, football season. Uh, I think they only what eight games, yeah, or whatnot. But you know, yeah, talk, talk to us a little bit more about that, like in in that nature, like is it. Sp- biking and like what is your perception yeah on the sports so
3: right well this is you know me myself i'm a i'm a big 49ers fan so um ooh. i i, I uh, we yes. gonna have to end the recording <laughs> well you know i mean uh when i was in santa barbara i was a chargers fan because you know uh san, uh, san francisco is awful but um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we've been dumpster fire for so long, so you know, I mean, the last thing we had was Joe Montana and you know Kaepernick. <laughs> but, anyways, um, yeah, so this was actually something that that you know we're we're doing this podcast, and one of the things I really wanted to get um, on the episode was you know um, on our podcast is like a sports journalist, yeah. someone that can explain the regulations and actually what they're doing. Um, but you know, it, it was very very. Uh, difficult for me to watch you know the Tennessee Titans have what like 13 sure. overall is that how many cases it was they have 12 positive?
1: cases 12 yeah
3: and then and then like they had fans in the stadium yep the mm-hmm. first game back yep. and like you know there's other teams that like refuse to have stands and, the, and it's just like um so that kind of disconnect I mean the 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 NBA bubble worked because it was a very, very short playoff series, you know, like six weeks. But for an entire season, it's gonna be impossible. And even Roger Goodell said, you know, hey, we're going to, this isn't gonna be the first, and this isn't gonna be the last. And it's like, okay, well, you know, even professional athletes have we seen with this Ohio State study of, you know, um, eight of the 26 19 and a half year old athletes, male and female, eight of them developed scar tissue on their hearts. And, you know, four of them developed a disease called uh, myocarditis, which Mm -hmm. is a potentially fatal heart disease. So in all these uh, uh, students were either asymptomatic or mild symptoms and they all tested positive. So it's one of these things that, uh, and that was in the big 10. That's what the big 10 was using to Mm -hmm. hold out for a while, but they were also pressured, I feel too. Um, So, So the issue is, is that as a, as it gets colder, we're going to have more and more, uh, you know, cases going on. And, you know, I think, I think the argument, the, the conversation that I can't really be a part of is just because I don't have the expertise to be a part of it is this question of, you know, should we force professionals to play football? Um, I think Personally, you know whether we should force amateur athletes like college students to play football. No, absolutely not. Uh, but it feels like we are, um, and so that—that's kind of my opinion. And uh, things are going to get worse during the winter.
0: Yeah, my so I'm a Seahawks fan, and I'm glad Whoa. that right now, as as we're recording this, five and zero. Oh. Right, You guys cheated so, the last game. But, Do you
3: want to rub that in just a but, little bit
0: more? But the, thing, but the thing that I'm afraid of is that they're actually going to stop the season. I mean, I can see a lot of people getting COVID, uh, a lot of players getting COVID, a lot of teams getting COVID, and then them delaying the games for such a long time. And just imagine, I was worried because uh, Cam Newton, um, you know, got COVID and they had just played the Seahawks.
3: And, and Steph R. Gilmore. Yeah,
0: yep. so I was like, Seriously. oh my gosh. I mean, the Seahawks players better get checked because, I mean, it, it multiplies like crazy right now. So yeah, I personally think that, that they're going to close and not have a season and ruin Russell Wilson's MVP season.
3: Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of my concern. And, and my interest is at what point do the public start caring? And what is it going to take? Is it going to take, you know, how many athletes uh, is it going to take to get sick? Because, you know, let's say that these professional athletes are a lot healthier than most people and all that. Let's say that their mortality rate goes down to, you know, 0.5% versus the the standard 3%. Um, I mean, that's still 1 to 200 people in these organizations that, you know, if if one to 200 people get it you're probably going to have at least one death and so like i'm kind of interested is like you know which player if you know they get it and and die which you know which are going to be the ones that are going to be the martyrs here right right um right, right, right. and you know it you know because they may not call you know care about some some bag boy or something but you know if Cam Newton or you know unfortunately or even even Russell Wilson even you know being against the C- you know San Francisco and get a kick our butt probably you know I wouldn't want him to get sick yeah but you know how how much is it where's the line is is kind of the question that we'll see
0: do you think it's based on leadership so you know president Donald Trump obviously has covid or had covid I don't know what the situation is you always see him during interviews not wearing masks Right. And eventually, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of discussion between uh, people saying that maybe he actually doesn't have COVID. He just doesn't want to participate in the debate because he had bad ratings during the debate. There's a lot of rumors in that, in that segment. But do you believe that it's based on leadership showing that example? And that's why pe- some people just really don't care.
3: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially in the U.S. I mean, I mean, if you look at the countries that did the worst um uh you know through this period uh you know uk's Boris Johnson got it very early on and then immediately he took it seriously and their yeah. numbers went down um you know and and uh it, but if you took it if you if you look at how this virus has spread it's spread when a country denies how serious it is and that's how China you know it spread through China because they didn't you know, take it seriously at, at first. Now they are. Now their numbers are great. Um, but you look at the surrounding countries—South Korea, Vietnam—they took it very seriously. And they they didn't get hit very hard. Um, you know, and then you look at the U.S. and now Mexico and Brazil and a lot of these other countries that aren't taken seriously. Their numbers are so much worse than every other country. I mean, every everyone kind of got that bad initial thing, like France and Spain, and you kind of got all those stories coming out, but they were able to take care of it very quickly. We've never taken care of it.
0: What is your perception on contact tracing?
3: We need to do it. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's funny because they do contact tracing for the white house sometimes, I guess. Um, and then they do contact tracing for, you know, these NFL players and um you know my feeling about this is that uh if we took if we took a lot of the unemployed people right now and train them for a week or two we can turn them into contract tracers and we would lower our overall numbers just hugely the two best things we can do is prevention uh or that you know in the or uh the two best things we can do are mask and contact tracing. And that's going to be where prevention comes into play because I uh, I dare you to find me a doctor in any sort of field that says treating a disease is better than preventing it. So it's always going to be cheaper to prevent. And contact tracing is just such a key thing. And, and it's proven to be uh, so valuable in every other country that's done it.
0: So your perception is during the winter time it's going to get worse. What if you had a blueprint plan of how to make it better? What would that look like?
3: Uh, I think um, that's gonna be that's gonna be tough on the spot because uh, you know. But but essentially, a lot of it is you know wearing a mask and stuff like that, and 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 understanding your surroundings and understanding how you know. Um, the inside is going to be different than, than hanging outside. So none of the scientists or researchers were concerned about the summer. Uh, all the scientists and researchers were optimistic about the summer because that's when we had the opportunity to get rid of COVID. And we wanted to get rid of COVID because we didn't want to go through a COVID winter. Um, so what happens? You know, there's a reason that November through February is called flu season or cold season, and it's because everyone moves indoors, everyone sees their family, everyone is, you know, generally less healthy by drinking more or, you know, hot chocolate and lots of sugar and desserts and food. And I mean, I do it all the time. So um, generally, everyone's immune system goes down. Everyone's closer and and kind of spreading and traveling more. And so. That's our biggest concern is, um, you know, we want everyone to I I think what we're trying to figure out is how can we start moving some of our um, protections to indoors? Um, Because the outdoor thing was great for the summer. And that's why our our numbers drop down. But as soon as it gets too cold to be outside, we're going to have problems. So focusing on doing studies indoor and how it spreads indoor.
1: Well, I want to um, bring a knock in to the conversation yeah, real Yeah, please. Because so with your line of work, obviously with, you know, being like a physical therapist and doing the massage with COVID, have you had anybody that, because I know my uncle got it. My uncle was positive. And then one of the side effects at the end of it was he felt fatigue. He said he had muscle cramps and things like that. Like, have you ever had a, uh, a client or a patient that you had to treat post-COVID?
2: No. Oh, first off, I'm not a physical therapist. Oh, I'm sorry. So like, I cannot even like, <laughs> like. finish on that because it's not great. Um No, um, this is also a personal issue too and plus it has to be with regulations and right now um, I do limit how many people I see okay. when I can see them and, and in what way I can see them and it all very much depend on, on if we're comfortable with one another. For <laughs> yeah. me, you cannot start anything fear, so, so it has to start with a basis that creates some sort of trust and understanding, you know, that way we can create a safety for everybody involved and continue. Um, so I work with people in that basis. And so far, I haven't had have anybody that reach out to me post-COVID.
1: Okay, but do you have like a policy or a procedure like before, you see someone. Is, do you have a questionnaire, or do you have, you know, do you have anything yeah, like that?
2: There is standards. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been there. It's more so. Again, it's just a little bit more stringent mm-hmm. when when it comes to meeting uh, another healthcare professionals, so just in a wellness setting. Um, it's and it's based through the CDC's and I also part of the CMTC, so just Massage Council in California, and they're so we just follow that type of recommendations and just pretty much just simplifies everything. If I can set it up so that people can minimize the contact, you know, open door for people, I clean everything afterward, everybody has their own sheet, you know, it just minimize any type of contact, um, don't want to do a lot of indoor if possible, or just open a lot of door. We can do indoor now. You know, it's only recently yeah, that, yeah. that we're allowed massage yep. and that's when they start really picking it up and doing the movement stuff. I, I make sure that there are all like hours, like an hour or two hours in between sessions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just on the safe side, putting right, the right. filters on. Um, yeah, but pretty much is that it's just to create a sense of safety first.
1: Yeah, I mean, Trust. that's... That's the goal, right? I mean, for everyone is, is uh, you know, I think the first thing is everyone's safety, you know? And I think to allude to Genus' point earlier, politically, like when he brought up, you know, President Trump not wearing masks, I mean, he's holding rallies right now, right? Like he just held one and I saw that people barely were, I think it was like 50, 50, 50% of people weren't wearing weren't masks. You know, I'm pretty sure you're wearing masks when you're, you know, working on someone. Is that correct? Or, or do you wear masks when you when you see a client?
2: When I work with, and I don't, do work with seniors there. In that oh, yeah, very yeah, they're sure more susceptible. I mm-hmm, do out call with them and we make sure to have the doors open. Always there's some type of air, some outdoor air flowing. And we wear masks because they are very much in touch with their own health care. And so based on <coughs> what the medical professionals say and support it, um, we follow that guideline also.
1: Got it, got it. Yeah, I mean, because with President Trump, I just feel like, you know, he's hold- he just got it. He's holding rallies and 50% aren't wearing masks. Like, do you, you know, for you, Ryan, do, do you feel like right now, since it's also an election year, do you feel like there's no, you know, bipartisan solution of not making COVID a political thing?
3: Well, I mean... I, I kind of want to go back to the whole thing with with him being infected and and whether he's still you know infectious now the um because this was a question that a lot of people asked me was like you know how how infectious can it be and i i, I saw something that he was thinking that he's completely immune now um and he's superman I th- <laughs> did he say i, I don't know yeah, exactly he said something like that
0: something something super immune. Yeah, yeah great great
3: um <laughs> yeah so the problem with that is that no one's immune and and what everyone should really understand is that when you have antibodies towards something you're just more resistant yeah. so let's just take a number of a thousand viral particles to infect you when you don't have uh you know when you don't have any antibodies or you haven't fought off the disease, well, now it's going to take, you know, maybe a hundred or, you know, 10,000 to 50,000. So you're not going to be as susceptible, like you won't get, but you can still get it. Um, And that's kind of one of the issues. And then also there's been some really interesting research that um, where you've heard of these stories of people getting reinfected after they leave the hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I was really concerned about that too. And I looked into it. And it doesn't seem like they're getting reinfected, but the virus goes into hibernation and mm. then reactivates. Now the reactivation. So it's still in your
0: body? Yeah. like what do It's you still explain?
3: in your body. Yeah. So what it does is there's, um, there's kind of like a gel that holds all of your cells together. Mm-hmm. And that's called the extracellular matrix. You can just think of it just like a thick gel. Okay. And um, so the virus hides in that gel. And then your immune system and people, you know, test negative and just goes into hiding. And then, uh, you know, one to two weeks later, that virus will come up. But there's not really any evidence to show that people are getting reinfected. So this reactivation thing is very, very concerning, though. It's in a very small number of people. I don't think that it's going to happen with him, but, you know, it is something to also kind of, keep an eye on is this reactivation and um it's very similar to other viruses like herpes and stuff like that 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 can lay dormant for you know will activate and then can lay dormant for you know a month or two or you know a year
0: are there studies um on people that are more active if they're more active that they are more prone to getting covid
3: more prone I don't think that that would be a case. Normally people that are active um, have better regulation of their of their immune system and they're able to dial it down and, and not have it go out of control.
0: So when this whole thing started, I started running a lot more. Yeah. And I, and I told myself, man, I, I hope I don't get it, but if I was to run a lot more and be more active, then I probably have a lower probability of getting it. Are there case studies like that?
3: Oh, like how, I mean, so it's, it's no, there's not, not that I'm, not that I'm aware of as far as like how easy it is to get it. Now, how severe your symptoms are is completely different. Um, so you might have, like, you might decrease the chance of you, um, you know, getting severe severe uh like cases or you know you'll decrease your chance of being hospitalized and stuff like that but i don't think you can uh decrease your chances of getting it there's um so a lot of even the drugs that target the virus and stuff like that um a lot of them you you can't use them preemptively um the only thing that you can really use preemptively is is a vaccine to build up your antibodies that's really the only thing that can prevent you from from the virus getting a foothold so
1: do you feel like with you know, I, th- I feel like President Trump is trying to push all these, you know, companies, you know, to create the vaccine as quickly as possible. I mean, we have Pfizer, Moderna, um, two of the biggest ones right now. I, I think both are in phase three. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, clinically, like how, like how quickly can we get it? Because he wants it. He yeah, wanted of course it before does. election right before before November 3rd. but I'm pretty sure we're not I, I feel like we're not gonna get it until 2022. Like I, I don't even know how close we are.
3: are yeah, we yeah, I close? think I think that's gonna be the focus of um, what Nock and I are trying to do is trying to get out this realistic timeline. Um, so even when people what my biggest fear too is that when the vaccine is passed through FDA, um, whichever vaccine it might be, whether it's Pfizer or any of these other companies um, that it's 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 not gonna people are just gonna go crazy because they're like, oh we have a vaccine now and uh, you know and that might come uh, FDA approval might come in December, January even um, but there's all these problems with, Production line, like mm-hmm. you know, making glass mm-hmm. vials, transporting the virus, whether the virus has to be refrigerated or not. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the the timeline for mass public to get it is still around around you know fall of 2021. That that's probably more realistic.
1: Yeah, that's like and November next year.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. Fall fall of 2021 is kind of where I I would put it in the middle. Optimistically, summer. Um, but yeah, there's going to be, you know, uh, um, uh, there's, I think knock and I are going to do a, like a whole one hour segment on vaccines and all the different vaccines that are being generated. Cause it's, it is very interesting. And the vaccines that they're generating are completely new technologies that we've never really tried. So there are going to be those concerns
0: as well. Would you be on the front line to try the vaccine or would you be skeptical about the vaccine that's created?
3: Well, I mean, it completely depends on on um, what vaccine it is, and I'm going a little bit back and forth on this. And um, but I do know that people from the FDA uh, have threatened to resign if if the vaccine is uh, you know released prematurely, mm-hmm. and they have tightened up their regulation uh, despite White House kind of push like, you know, to, to the white house is, uh, uh, not really being too happy with that. So I, I'm pretty confident in the FDA and whatever they regulate, there are going to be like other questions as far as if it's this new kind of vaccine technology and stuff like that. But, you know, speaking with a few of the people from the FDA, the general consensus is this, is that, and, and not only the FDA, but, you know, people from Pfizer and all these other companies what what we're really seeing and what's really encouraging for me is that these nine companies are in phase 3 they're all talking to each other and they're all like working together and cooperating and these are you know companies around the world um, and you know, there's, there's, you know, and some of these companies require the participation of 26 other countries. So this is like a collaboration, even in a very competitive field that I've never even heard of. Um, and they, they're doing that because they know if one company puts out a terrible vaccine, they're not going to be able to sell it. You know, what's the point of having a vaccine if no one's going to take it? Mm-hmm. So. It is encouraging that the FDA is, is really holding their guns, uh, you know, to their first statements and uh, not being pressured. And a lot of these companies are realizing that, you know, no one can release a, uh, a bad vaccine and there's 8 billion people. There's enough people to, to get some money. Mm-hmm.
0: Naka, as you are, you know, following the safety protocols... Um, are there any of the safety protocols where you're kind of like, I, I wish that they made it more safe for me to conduct mm-hmm. business?
2: See, that is where having a friend like Ryan comes into play. <laughs> yeah. Because I like to have a lot of the facts available to me. Yeah. You know, I, I like to see everything from different point of views. It allow me to mm, make a decision that's just more informed and keep me steady. And so I talked to him. Mm-hmm. So our conversations that we're gonna do with the podcast is essentially the same as me calling Ryan on the phone and asking questions one after another. Mm-hmm.
0: Is there one in particular where you were like, maybe I should call Ryan and then ask him, is, is this correct or is this safe?
2: No, not yet because I, I, I don't do a lot. Right now, yeah. I really scale back on everything, yeah. and um, and there is also, I don't know, it, it's, it's like I got it, yeah, you yeah. know. But considering that um, we've been talking since we started our first episode, yeah. <laughs> recording on uh, a Monday here, and uh, there's a lot of information that I just went through, and will that shape my decision coming up in the next few months and the next years? Absolutely. Yeah. And so the more, um, you know, we're gonna start to talk and going into detail about different aspects of the research and and the science. Oh, oh my gosh, there's just so many to mm-hmm. to digest and to understand. Yeah. Then we will have a different idea. I will have a different pictures for myself, and it's my hope that um, for people that listen, they'll be able to have their own understanding too yeah because all of this is very much just based on how how many like different perspectives you have and are there's one that resonates with you or not Mm
0: -hmm. ryan have you taken a look at some of the safety protocols for businesses to open up um so i really haven't had that time,
3: yeah. you know, cause I'm kind of double dipping into my jobs and most of my stuff is in the science. I have heard of a few business protocols that like, especially for restaurants of friends that go out that are a little bit concerning or not necessarily concerning, but like they're doing that and, and it's not going to do anything. Um, so I think, you know, there's, you know, I do want to look into that and, and we're hopefully going to be doing an episode really soon about, you know, the whether what, what actual like regulations will work and stuff like that um, um, yeah so so bringing up the science though um, one of the things that is pretty... Difficult, And one thing that gets misled a lot is that, you know, media and other things really likes to attach to a single article. And usually these articles are highly reviewed, but right now because of the speed of the science and because we want to get information out there as soon as possible, no one's really reviewing the COVID research. And so I think that's also a very, very difficult thing for other people to know, like, you know, what makes a good research paper because everything is just being published right now. Which is, you know, it's great, but it's also <laughs> not so
0: great. Yeah. I want to circle back into some of the, the testing. Um, so I recently, sure. uh, my friend had a birthday party. And what he did was he actually asked everybody to take a, a blood sample, um, COVID testing. So it was pretty interesting. It kind of looked like a pregnancy test, to be quite honest. You You put your blood in there and then there's lines. And it will let you know if you um, have had COVID and um, it passed, uh, if you have COVID or um, if you don't have COVID. Um, Ironically enough, we had one, one of our friends who actually had COVID and it passed. And then the DJ that he hired was the only person that had COVID, so we didn't have a DJ for, the, for the, his birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so he hired another DJ uh, that within the next hour, and he also tested positive for COVID as well. Oh so, man! So you can see where uh, some of the DJs uh, are playing. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 right. Uh-huh.
3: Uh, yeah, it's unfortunate for that.
0: Yeah, but how how accurate are these are these tests? Like, there's the oral, there's the, the nose. Um, there's the blood. How accurate yeah. is it?
3: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is something that also like, it's, it's actually very difficult to, to talk to, Um, you know, even scientists, even medical doctors have kind of got this wrong. Um. So, you know, we, my sister's uh, partner went in to go get a test or, you know, one of the, one of the people in that group. And, and the doctor was like well you know i could give you a test but you know they're not really accurate they're only about 50% yeah. accurate and um, so my first response was like well no the the nose test if that's the one he's giving you that's 90% accurate
0: mm. so the blood one is 50% you would say
3: yeah so so that one is a antigen basically it tests for uh, proteins that the virus left over uh, now the mouth swab one that one is also kind of looking for that, but that one is the one I think they were using that to open up the schools just because of how rapidly available the the results are. But that's been banned in several other countries, including India, uh, for its inaccuracies. Um, so why we so doing the only it
0: one that go ahead? So why are we doing it here? If well, it's ba- <laughs> is it a moneymaker? Is that what it is?
3: I I can't. I have no idea. I to be honest, I've been I've been against that that mouse ever since i've heard about it um so the main difference though is the nose one the one where they stick the thing up your nose and poke your brain uh that one tests for um viral genome Mm -hmm. and if the viral gene it's very very sensitive so it ampl it basically takes that genome if it's present it amplifies it magnifies it and so this magnification process makes it very very accurate um and the the experiment, you do need special equipment, but super easy, when, like the first thing I did when I got into a lab, so I probably did about 10,000 of these PCRs. Um, so, but that is about 90% accuracy. The blood one is about 50% because you can't amplify the protein uh, of the virus that the virus may have left in. Now, there is one kind of exciting thing that I'm gonna be keeping my eye on, and this is a very similar test Uh, to the one line, two line thing uh, that India came up with. It's a, it's a new um, technique called CRISPR. And CRISPR actually won the Nobel prize this year. Mm. um, And it was one of the fastest Nobel prizes to be awarded. It was like eight years. In addition, it was two females. And it's the first time two females have been awarded a Nobel prize uh, without a males or anything like that. Mm. So it's really, really cool. Amazing technology. Um, and what it allows you to do is it's, it's very similar to the PCR where it tests for the genome, but you're able to put on a piece of paper. And so now you don't need this fancy lab equipment and all this other stuff. And, and essentially event, you know, they're hoping that they can, you know, administer this in a way that you can take it home and do your COVID test at home. And it would only cost like, you know, six, $7 to, to, to manufacture. Um, but India still needs to Completely test that out, but that would be, I think, as of right now, that's the only test that's comparable to the current nose nose PCR that you have to wait forty eight hours for.
0: Is that also a nose swab?
3: Yeah, it would be a nose swab. So so that's the biggest problem with these other tests as well is that they just don't get deep enough into you. Whereas a nose swab really gets in there if if you've ever felt it. <laughs> um, so. So the, the in, one in India as well is getting that sample that's very, very deep in your nasal passageway. Um, they are actively trying to find a less invasive way to get like, you know, good accurate samples, but, but currently it's a no swab.
1: So I have a question. So, you know, we talked about, or Genu brought up earlier how, and you also talked about it during, you know, uh, flu season. So do you feel like we're going to have a pretty big second wave or do you feel like it's going to be contained a little bit? Because like how I mentioned earlier in the past seven to 10 days, we've seen cases really drive up. I mean, watching the news earlier today, I think there's 33 states that are currently having an increase in COVID cases. I think I think like 10 or 10 states or like only set, less than 10 states are currently just doing the way they're doing it and there's no states that are actually going down the last like seven or 14 you know days so do you feel like we're gonna have a a
3: second or a third wave coming in yeah yeah i mean the thing is is if you look at examples from our history uh you know the influenza of 1918 and stuff like that it it came back for three years and it killed 50 to 100 million people you know, right now we're at 210 in the U S and, and I think, you know, over a million in the world. So, you know, I, I really hope I'm wrong and, and all that, but as of right now, there's no evidence to prove me otherwise that the, and, and in my opinion, the best way to not have a second wave is to have the public, fight it because that's that's who's fighting this on the front lines i mean yeah you have the medical professionals and stuff like that they're out there doing great jobs and and you know all this other stuff but the people that are gonna have to prevent this from a second wave and and all this is the american people um so unless the american people's attitude changes yeah there's there's nothing stopping it because like i said everyone's gonna be indoors the virus spreads indoors
0: what is your messaging to people that don't really care? That don't want to wear a mask, that just still want to go out?
3: Well, I think this is where knock comes in. Um, because my message is that uh, at first was just being, being angry at like <laughs> how, you know, because essentially, you know, knowing, knowing the risks and, and stuff like this. And, um, you know, I think talking to kind of some people that might've been on the fence, it's just, it's been very apparent that, um, the way, the way to help those individuals is to kind of just have a simple conversation with them. And a lot of them are misled. Um, and the misleading is that, Um, you know, it's not that bad. It's as bad, you know, it's not as deadly as a flu and all this other stuff. Um, so I've had success with, you know, just saying just like, okay, well, let's do the math together. Let me show you. How this is without kind of talking down to them or trying to be presumptive that like they're stupid or they're being brainwashed or anything like that because science is difficult you know it takes me several hours just to get us through a single paper i've run i've probably read a 100 papers on this so far so you know it's it's not it's not something to easily understand and it's, and i think the message is is that it's also i think the other thing that a lot of those people do is is they hear on the news that you know the apocalypse is coming and you know everyone's going to die and all this and they look outside and the birds are chirping out their window. So I think the the best message is that you know we're not in an apocalypse but currently only 4% of our population has got this. So it can get a lot worse and you know wearing a mask can essentially prevent prevention you know if, if you care about taxes or you know paying too much on your taxes if you care about your businesses and stuff like that um, and you want the economy to grow the best thing you can do is prevent more covid from happening which is you know
0: wearing a mask so nak let's direct the question to you too um what, uh, what's the messaging we, that we you
2: definitely had that conversation on monday um well my take on the conversation we have is is at what point you know? There's personal safety and there's community safety, and where is the responsibility in that? It's like how much of the responsibility is on the person and how much is on the community as a whole. Where where do we stand in that? And for me to to understand that, uh, then we need to have conversations, you know, from different people, from different backgrounds. You know, to, to understand where they're from, you know? <laughs> and if you're gonna have a problem, then you're gonna have to understand it. And uh, I just happen to have a friend that's able to willingly talk to, with me about that, and we're able to have different kind of discussions and look at it in different ways. So it's about choices. For me, the more you, information you have. The or you can be informed and you're able to make choices that is best for you, that that you can take the responsibility for yourself and make the decision for your own. And from that point then you can understand how would that influence the community around you and what choice can I make based on the information I have that will support the well- health and the well-being of the
1: community. So what would you say to someone that and, you know, the question probably can go for both of you. Like, what would you say when they go, well, I have, I have to provide for my family. I have to provide for myself. Mm-hmm. I, I have to go out there and, and survive. And the only way I can do that is I have to be in front of people or whatever, whatever it is. Right. Like, like, how do you advise those people that kind of push back on, you know, it's like I don't care about this. You know like i have to live my life because this is the only way i'm going to survive is if i'm out there making ends meet
2: that's the question that we also have conversation about we have a lot of conversation hours of conversation because about you have this. a scientific yeah. mm-hmm. individual
1: and then you have uh, like you know like what we're thinking as commoners right like you have facts and you have data we, we go, yeah. we just, we just go and go. Uh, we just live our life. We just live our life. Uh-huh. So how do you, how do you guys balance that?
2: Absolutely. Uh, it's a concern. And we're still working on that. Uh, ultimately, you know, we have our own opinions. I have mine and Waltz has his. And some of it overlaps. Some of it we share. Um, and for me, oh gosh, this, this definitely become, it's a complex issue because it's talking to society and how society operate, you know, the cultural setting, you know, each person know. <laughs> Each individual's person out there has their own perspective, their own belief, and you know, their own experiences that totally informed it. Um, so I do believe that right now we're we're standing at a point where we are creating a new a new way of living, a new way of interacting with one another. And depending on how what perceptions we're looking at this, um, then the outlook will be different. So I, for me, um, I would like to be informed. Mm -hmm. I would like to approach this from from a point of personal responsibility um, and community responsibility, from a point of love, you know, from a point of compassion Mm -hmm. and unity. And all of that is part and parcel with teamwork. Mm -hmm. And to to be able to approach this as a team and to be in a community is being part of a team. So it's like, how can we create with one another? How can we communicate and talk so that everybody can understand one another and knowing their strength, you know, my strength and your strength and combine this? oh, goodness, um, to just to tap into everybody's strengths and potential, I do believe that there are so many creative ways in which we can approach any kind of problem.
0: Are there issues that you both disagree with? Like, you guys fight
3: about?
2: <laughs> Not really. Just you
0: said there there team. was like some times where you kind of yeah, like clash a little bit yeah, over, over that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> we talk about that but we see oh god it just we talk i mean there of, we talk for hours and then sometime we just come back to i might understand it. it's just the philosophy is the same you
3: know? yeah i think i think a, a lot of them it might just be like very higher end philosophies and yeah. stuff like that but i think i think what works great with us and what we're trying to do by leading with examples that you know we're very, very open and, you know, we are completely two different, completely people, blah, blah. But um, um, I think what works great is that we do listen to, you know, other each other's like kind of problems. And we kind of listen to when someone says, well, you know, I say hey, uh, you know, if you're going to be, you know, if you don't wear a mask, you're going to be contracting or you, know, it, it, or, you know, if everyone goes out, you know, or sorry, if everyone stays indoors, then we're going to, you know, we can get rid of this in a month. But then, you know, uh, you know, someone else might say, well, I can't do that because I need to feed my family. And right. it's like, okay, well, let's try and figure out how we can do that, but keep COVID in check. I think that's, the overall, the overall problem that we're trying to also answer, and and so the whole goal also is eventually we're gonna have people that have that are affected by COVID on the show, and we're gonna try and figure out how to safely approach uh, their lifestyle so for have, the next year.
1: I have, I have questions. I want to. I want to hear Ryan's take on this. So how do, how would you grade President Trump's response to his post-COVID? you know treatment and how he's conducting himself after he got COVID and after he got released from the hospital and as you see him today
3: oh it's 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 terrible i mean i you know i uh uh, uh is there an f minus because like the biggest problem with that and even the the company that treated him the ceo of regeneron you can yeah um you know, you can see interviews of the guy from Regeneron basically saying that, you know, this treatment that we gave him is only available to two, three hundred people. And we only have it there, uh, you know, until the vaccine is ready. And essentially, the whole reason is because it's a very, very technical treatment. The an antibody treatment It's very difficult to, you know, generate those and synthesize those antibodies. Other countries have been actually doing kind of interesting things where they'll take antibodies from, you um, People that have recovered, uh, like other countries that may not have the medical technology that we have, and they test them and then they figure out which ones are good and they can administer those antibodies to someone else to help them. But, you know, for us, we have the ability to synthesize, mm-hmm. um, but we can only really synthesize enough for a few hundred. So yeah, of course, I always knew Trump was gonna be fine yeah. because he's getting, you know, 20 physicians, treatment. all that. But yeah. how many other people are getting that treatment, you know? not me i would never get that treatment and you know he said he was uh he was being treated by i believe
1: 14 physicians total and then he made a statement that really pissed me off he goes you know the greatest thing about being the president of the united states i don't know if you guys heard
0: this yeah you you heard this right
1: did you did you hear about this no so he said you know the best thing about being the president of the united states is i can have the best doctors treat me you know, and and I had 12 per- amazing physicians that help and treat me. And I go, what about everybody else? Yeah. It and, doesn't and have that accent that, that are not the president of, of a country that can't afford to be treated the way you are being treated, Mr. President.
3: Well, also, you know, what I really do fear is kind of this this natural nationalistic type view, which is we created this vaccine. We did this where, you know, any American country is working with 26 other countries so they can test their vaccine to make right. sure it works in everyone. So, you know, the U.S. is not making anything. It's, it's you know, the entire world is working on this. Um, and, and so what's going to happen, though, is when we have the vaccine, who's going to get it first, right? It's Madonna. going to be very very wealthy countries and all this other stuff and you know then we're going to have very very sick poor countries yep um, and so this disparity is get you know just basically snowball into this even bigger nationalistic like oh well they're all sick now blah 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 it's like well you know we were pretty we were the most infected country i remember very early on in um, march uh I was at a car dealership and this guy comes up he's like oh it's all these mexicans coming over the border and blah blah blah, and giving us covid and all that i'm like well mexico doesn't have any infections (laughs) we have all the infections (laughs) like you know so i that that is something that really worries me about the way that he speaks and and you know also with the way that oh don't let it dominate your life that's also very very concerning i mean i'm not advocating that needs to dominate your life but you can't just, like, think you're a big, strong man and, and not going to get hurt.
0: Yeah, facts. Do you also think that because we live in a, you know, a society where we have access to getting tested, that our numbers are actually more accurate versus in a third-world country where they don't really have access?
3: Well, you see, that, that's come up so much, but, like, you know, I don't compare the US to any one country. I compare it to the entire world. And when you do it on that level, you know, we're four percent of the population and have, you know, 20% of the cases. mortalities, right? Uh except, well, India, India is getting really, really bad right now. Um, but, you know, okay, so whenever someone makes an argument, it's like, Yeah, I guess you could, you know, it's not fair to compare the U.S. to any like third world country because all this testing and blah, blah. But we can compare to the entire world (laughs) like like the U.S. is an anomaly. There's no other like kind of statistical thing where, you know, you can basically say that, you know, uh, one out of 200 and however many countries are 250, something like that. can't be compared to every other country on planet
1: no that's true And so,
3: but you can easily compare this to Germany. Uh, And so what what you, when you want to compare a country, the easiest thing is looking at population concentration. Mm -hmm. So when they look at Sweden and other stuff like that, and also travel patterns, those are the two main things. So, you know, when you look at Sweden, when people are trying to compare our, you know, uh, policies and wanting to do the Sweden model or whatever, um, well, Sweden itself, you know, was, like kind of in its winter, like who's going to Sweden in February or March, right? No one's, no one's traveling there, whereas everyone's coming through the U.S., coming through New York, San Francisco, these big ports. So, um, you know, you have to look at travel patterns and you have to look at population concentration. And, you know, uh, so when you compare similar countries to Sweden, you know, they have 10 times the number of deaths as every other Scandinavian country. That's why it's not a good idea to use Sweden's model.
1: So who should we model ourselves like with?
0: Korea?
3: Yeah, South Korea, Germany. Yeah, stuff like that. Um, South Korea. Right. I mean, but like I said, I I I mean, this is gonna be my personal opinion and kind of uninformed yeah, yeah. political thing, which is uh, you know, I think I would be happy for me myself who works at home and doesn't really need to risk my life. I'm not essential. Well, you know, I'm still working, but I'm not really essential and stuff like that. Um, I'm not in a high risk group. I'm not going to get cause I'm at home. I'll gladly take a rise in taxes to basically employ, uh, homeless people or not homeless, but, um, um, a lot of these people that have been unemployed 300,000, then that's one every thousand people. Um, and so if you did that, now you can actually use those people as contact tracers and kind of train them for a week and make them contact tracing detectives. Because that's the biggest that's that's the most helpful thing that the government can do right now is trying to limit, you know, and isolating people that have been uh, uh, contacted. And that's what Korea is doing. That's what a lot of these countries that have been successful.
0: People have been against the whole contact tracing because of privacy reasons. How would you overturn that type of objection?
3: Well, that's just that's just the American mentality. I mean, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm serious. Like everyone, everyone's, you know, super happy with their freedoms and all that. And, you know, it's the same argument that people make like to not wear masks is, you know, it's my freedom, blah, blah, blah. But, you know. One thing I would compare this to is, uh, you know, not smoking in buildings. We all agree that, uh, you know, there's probably a few people that don't agree with this, but, you know, we all agree that smoking on public building, uh, you're subjecting people to toxins and you're subjecting people to potential lung cancer if you're doing that. So there's, you know, legality that, you know, you can ban that because it's a health problem. There's a lot of, and you know wearing a mask and other sort of these like public health problems yeah you can absolutely make a law banning this stuff or you know i'm sorry enforcing like wearing a mask in in uh public places um so yeah i mean the the i guess a lot of people just don't trust the government right now um and that's i don't really know how to overcome that um but maybe just making a message that you know, hey, uh, I don't want your grandma to die. So, you know.
1: And I think that's also where I'm torn because sorry, because like I came from the Philippines, right? Where I mean we're considered a third world, you know. Coming coming in, assimilating myself in the United States, like I've I've grown to love that idea of really freedom and individ, individualism, right? Like and, and when the pandemic happened, it's one of those things, it's like, you know, sometimes I right now I'm like, man, do I, do I take that freedom for granted? Like that freedom of thought, you know, the freedom of speech, like that individualistic, like lifestyle that Americans live and are proud of, right? Like when, when can we like have conversations where that's what's, the, that's what's great about America and being an American? But there are times where I feel like we have to step back and go, we really have to think about everybody else. But with social media and, and the way things are run in this country, it's so hard and, and we're seeing it. You know, I mean, look at yeah. the president. Yeah. It's so difficult to go, okay, maybe I need to think about the, the person next to me or behind me or in front of me. Right? Because growing up in other culture in the Philippines, in, in Korea, in, in, you know, in everywhere else, it's we, I was taught and speaking of myself, I was taught to go, Hey, look at, look at your brother, look at your sister, look at your cousin and, and make sure that they're okay first. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, yeah, that's yeah. how I was raised. It's just, and I'm like torn cause I'm like, ah, oh, man, but like I grew up here, you know, that's, it's difficult. Right
3: yeah well the question i would then ask people is like you know hey you're okay taking off your shoes and going through security and giving you know airport security your passport and they document all of that so um you know and and why do you do that why do you why are you giving up that freedom well you're giving up that freedom so that you know people don't hijack planes and you know crash them even though you know technically speaking, there's been way less dust of, you know, people doing that. So, you know, what I I think it's, if we can get out the message of like, you know, you, the, this is a freedom you're going to be giving up, but this is what you're getting in exchange. You're giving, you're getting safety. You're getting the knowledge that like, you know, people around you are safe. And, and you know, I, I think if we did contact tracing, it would be easier to open up our businesses. You know, so the, those community shops that you like so much, you can also, uh, you know, like those can start opening now with ease. And, and you know, people are going to actually go there because the issue is, is like, okay, yeah, you can open up as many shops as you want. But if 60 to 70% of the population doesn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go shop. So it doesn't matter if those places are open or not. That, I mean, that's kind of what I've seen when, you know, they opened up Atlanta, like very, very early. Like no one, you know, their economy got like a, what, like a 20% boost or something like that uh, when they opened up and just, you know, and just risked the workers and, and really did nothing for their economy.
2: Well, I do think when it comes to freedom, it's 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 also in the choices we decide to make. Um, when it comes to... Well, I'm, I'm talking it from my perspective, from the family perspective, because we do need... We, as yes, in my siblings, and I, and my parents, we, we have a talk and discussions about it, on when and where to wear masks and if the parents should isolate themselves or not, and that a comes a decision to be made, and when it comes down, when it's agreed upon that it's about the health of the family, then... The, the freedom you find in this is, is to be agreed upon and the choices that we made as a family to put the health of involved, everybody involved and the comfort level of everybody involved in terms of safety and security, you know, and well-being. And so when the when it comes to parents, my parents have stayed inside for a very long time and I have become the person to buy grocery in the beginning and just drop them up at the house outdoors, you know, just outside the door. Um, Annoying, yes, absolutely. But for me, the freedom is in making the choice for me, you know, and creating that environment when we're able to have our own say in the matter um, for everybody in the family. And to understand that we all have different needs and, and just be respectful of that and do our best to create a situation where my needs is met, my brother needs is met met, and my parents' needs are met. Yeah. And,
3: you know, one thing I've noticed with talking with a lot of people too, is, is when you do like you don't overhype things or, you know, you just kind of lay the the facts out there in a very understandable way, that um, they tend to start to understand that. And you're like, this is a real consequence of you doing, you know, these actions. Are you okay with that? And, and, you know, most of the time I've had, you know, at least if they're open-minded, right? Um,
2: I think there's also another thing that we tend to confuse again is, um, freedom and fear. Sometimes, where you're in in such a heightened state of fear, um, you tend to protect yourself in a way. It's yeah. just a natural nervous response. Yeah. So, if <laughs> if the, you held so strongly a view, you know, and then it, and and it got stomped upon, then oh, automatically it feels very threatening. So, how do you, as a person? A response of that So I think that is a responsibility As a person to keep yourself In, in a good state of mind In good yeah. health I mean mental Mental health is important In managing stress mm-hmm. And stress is important when it comes to immune system Yeah
0: If you could uh, give Our listeners an overall Conclusion of, of A message that you'd like to Relate to everybody and this is for both of you two, what would that message be?
3: Um, well, you know, I think, I think my overall message is, you know, um, try, try to, you know, not, not be so fearful. Um, like, you know, but approach it with some sort of, you know, uh, sensibility to it. Like, I'm not saying that, you know, you need to go out and not let it dominate your life or anything like that. But what I've noticed is that when people approach it without this kind of like hysteria of either it's going to kill me or that, you know, they're all going to take, you know, they're trying, they're taking away my rights to breathe and all this other stuff. If you kind of remove those things, then then most of the people kind of make the right decisions and make the decisions that are going to keep them and their families healthy um, and, and, and their communities. And, and hopefully if everyone does their part, I know it's difficult. Um, I kind of get the feeling that science, well, science, science is very, very slow. Science takes a long time and with social media and all this other stuff everyone wants things rapidly you know you want that notification you want all this other stuff so we've been trained to want things very rapidly so you know take some time take a breather and we're with with how things have kind of played out in the US we are going to have to play you know play this for the for the long haul and and try and make those decisions that will you know keep uh, you and your family safe, but all, honestly you do need to you know, pay the bills and all that. So
0: Not, what would be your final message for our listeners?
2: Well, the responsibility, it's always on you to make the choices that best serve you. And so um, um, taking care of myself is yeah. very important in terms of emotional health and mental health. You know, physical. Oh goodness, anything, and um, to get whatever assistance and support is needed for you to to take care of yourself, so that uh, you'll be in a good state of mind um, to make decision that is best for you and for everybody involved.
0: Right. Well, every one of our guests that come on our show, we like to support them and we like to um, promote. Um, whatever, you know, thing that they're getting themselves into. So do you guys personally have a, um, a social media Instagram of any sort or a show?
2: <laughs> well, um, I believe <laughs> our first our first episode of our podcast will be coming out Monday. Oh, Very nice.
3: And uh, the. Let me, let me, uh, the podcast name is, uh, bourbon and tea chats Bourbon, bourbon and tea. tea
0: chat. Yeah. And where, where can they find the podcast?
3: Well, we're, we're figuring this out, uh, but we're hoping to distribute it to Spotify and kind of any, any sort of place you can get your, uh, podcast and, uh, we'll be releasing a website
0: and, um, some Facebook stuff in the next month. But, um, cool.
3: yeah, the first episodes
0: will be released on Monday. Perfect. Um, and then do you have any social media linked up mm-hmm, to your <laughs> podcast yet?
3: Not this, not, not this moment. We're trying to, trying to get that under construction. Okay. That's a cool name we're though. We're
2: very beginners when it comes yeah. to ooh, the technology world. So bourbon and yeah. working as
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just so-
3: kind of, uh, you know, uh, highlights how different Nock and I are, but you know, we're still great friends for over 13 years. Yeah.
0: Best time. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um,
2: teenagers now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so,
0: so for our KickSpot listeners, um, if we're able to uh, put any of their social media links, because um, we're going to be releasing this within the next few weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so by that time, we'll have uh, stuff on our Instagram at uh, the underscore KickSpot. And also, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure that you subscribe, comment, share, like, like um, so that, you know, the YouTube algorithm goes in our favor so that yeah. every time we release an yeah. episode that we're number one on your screen. That's right. All right. So right now we're like number 308. Yeah. You we're know. trying to raise it up to three oh seven. Just start week. liking like crazy. Yeah. Um so Ryan and Nock, thank you very thank much you guys. uh for being our this guests. Is a great here. topic,
1: by
3: the way.
0: Yeah, and I think Hey, that, thank you
3: for having us on, man. It was it was uh completely our pleasure.
0: Yeah, and I think people are gonna get a lot of great information. Oh, one hundred percent. And hopefully yeah. our listeners will be able to um, listen to your podcast to get more information, especially in the science realm, things that were not yep. necessarily uh, the most gifted in explaining. Yeah,
3: yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so we're going to go into a lot more detail. Uh, Sometimes it might be excruciating detail, but um, I'm hoping that it'll be fun. Yeah, and I'm
2: learning to be comfortable with asking very dumb, stupid
0: questions. It's okay. That's what we do all day. (laughs) That's what we do all the time. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you very much for being here. Guys, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to KickSpot.